what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of I Guess I'll Do It with Pat House. Today, I have a very special guest, and I'm going to consider this a bonus episode because all of my podcasts up until this point have been with comedians talking about comedy, but today I have a good friend of mine who is a author, and by some crazy coincidence, I guess you could say, she has also done stand-up. So... It's a bonus episode with a non-comic, but she's still done it, but we'll get to all that point, all that shit. Uh, I, I already fucked up the intro. Whatever. I'm taking way too long here. Anyway, today I have author of Rude Awakening, a mixtape, my buddy from high school, Natalie Windelfell. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Oh, this is awesome. I'm so excited. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, that was a very long intro. Normally I'm not like that, but I had to mention the... Uh, non-comedian part, but you've also done it, so I had to work that in there, and then uh, that intro to me already felt like seven minutes of our time. <laughs> congrats on the book! Congrats, congrats! Um, you know, you and I, you and I chat pretty frequently, and as of now, uh, you know, there's demand for your book. Amazon yeah. sold out, correct? I know. Yeah, it is. I, I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to like brag because I don't know if it's like. <laughs> COVID mishaps with Amazon, but I'm just going to say that it's, it's sold out. There was a big demand for it. I know that. Um, but yes, I am very excited about that. It's it's flying off the shelves. People are like, that's I don't great. know how to get it. Yeah. So it's good. That's that's awesome. I mean, that is awesome. And that's cool uh, that you get to see it right away, too. You may not know like how sales are going, but with um, social media, people are posting pictures yeah. and you're, you know, you're, you know, you're, they're, you're sharing their stories and everything. So you get to see everybody's, everybody sharing your stuff, which is I, awesome. Oh, yeah. It's so surreal. It's so crazy. <laughs> how long did it take you to write the whole thing? What was your process from start to finish? Um, I mean, I knew I wanted to write for like a couple of years, but it's like, the idea didn't like work its way all the way through uh, mm-hmm. until it like hit me when I was driving. Like I wanted to write a book about my like awakening experiences and stuff, which is what the book's about. But I didn't know like what format to do it in. And I would like start to write and then it just, it sounded like shit. So I was driving and then I realized long story short that this like playlist that I had um, was basically like, <laughs> every single story I wanted to tell. Um, so that was, I started writing, I started really writing and mapping it out um, probably like May or June of last year. And then I wrote the whole thing. I think I was done by like September. So I just, that's I, a, yeah, <laughs> that's really quick turnover, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like the heavy lifting was definitely um, the planning. It was so weird. Um, I remember the day that I was done, I thought that I had so much more to go because I had been writing, but I didn't like look at what I wrote. And I was like, well, let me see what I have. And I had like more than I thought. So that, that happened. That's always a good thing too. Um, did you find that, um, did how much, okay. How much rewriting did you have to do? Did you type ed, like the whole entire book out and then rewrite or was everything pretty much, kind of the way you wanted that makes sense yeah you know what i honestly didn't rewrite 
really anything um, until I got the final like manuscript back from my publisher. And then I started to get like freaked out, like, oh shit, like I don't want people to know that about me. So I was like heavily editing like at the 11th hour. And I was like, what are we doing? Then I was like taking out too much shit. I was like, it's just like, I'm like, it came out like this. I got to just go with it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it really, most of it came out like, the way I wanted it, it was like, so it was so strange. Um, but I did do a lot of like writing before I actually sat down to write the book to try to find my voice. And that took years. <laughs> oh my God, that takes years. And oh. even from a stand-up perspective, there's sometimes, I don't think I found my voice, but, uh, I'm coming up on 17 years and I oh. really just started to really like, really like my own material in the past, like I don't know, four, maybe five years. Like it took 10 to 12 years to get to the kind of comedy that I'm doing right now. So yeah. I get that. It's like when you can read something that you wrote and you're like actually like not cringing when you like share it with people. Like I think that's when you like win. <laughs> like, yeah. I look at a lot of stuff and say, hey, I don't hate this. Yeah. And that's a win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what well, was awesome, I read it uh, in pretty much a day and a half, and I do love the fact that so many of the chapters are named after song titles, because I'm a huge music guy, hence the Foo Fighters and Phil Collins tattoos. Oh, yeah. Um, so I love the fact that the music part is tied in. Was that a plan from the beginning, or did that strike you along the way? No, it it, it, it struck me. Um, you know, like I knew I wanted to write about what I wanted to write about. But then like the format literally like snuck up on me. I'd been saving songs. Um, I quit my corporate job in like 2018. Um, and I had this like dream of like, I still love the stage. Like I still love being on stage. Like I still, I'm filing that in the back of my mind, um, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to do something with that eventually. But I had this, I had this playlist called walkout songs and I just, I just kept throwing them all on there and like, then it turned into like songs that made me cry and songs that touched me. And it turned into like way more than walkout songs. But I remember I had like such writer's block. I'm like, I got to write this, this book. And like, I looked at the playlist and I'm like, Oh my God, shit. That's it. <laughs> it like, that's awesome. Crazy. It just, it was like, it just the clicked like that. Yeah, it did. It did. I was driving them from, from work and, um, yeah, I was like, no shit. This is really, this has been here the whole time. I listen to this like literally every day. <laughs> it was like some like voice was like, yeah, um, hello, <laughs> here it is. That's how some of the best ideas come about. It really is. I mean, sometimes like some, something was just hanging in front of your face the entire time. You had no idea it was there. And then one day out of the blue, it's like, it smacks you like a ton of bricks and you're like, oh my God, you were there the entire time. That's exactly what happened. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, um, did you write every single day? Because I don't. Like, not even close. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, so I did, you've seen it. I've, I've shared pictures of it. Um, like my writing process, I would like slap a song on a sticky note on my wall in the one wall of my apartment and every time I had like free time and I was in the mood, I would like walk by and grab a piece of paper and I'm like, all right, this is what I'm writing about today. <laughs> and, um, you know, I pretty much, it was just like, it was so like flowy. It, it, it really was just whenever I had the time and inspiration, whatever, like that lined up. And, um, you know, I just, 
I can't believe how much I wrote in a short amount of time. It was really crazy. No, that no, I mean, we're talking from two different perspectives here, but I get that because sometimes I won't write at all. Like when COVID happened, right between March, April, and May, and shit like really shut down, and we kind of had there was beginning to. We were starting to realize there's no end in sight. I wrote like crazy. I probably went through four, five, six notebooks. I was writing all day, every day, and then I completely stopped. So I get that. But when you're like in the zone and hammering stuff out, you're unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. You just got into a zone. It's so true. So I'm I'm not going to read the synopsis of your book here, but briefly, how would you uh, describe your book? Like, what is the gist of your first book? I say that because there are, I know there are more to come. Oh, yeah. There's definitely more. Um, yeah, so I went through what I guess everybody could possibly call spiritual awakening. Um, in, like, 2017, I just... I mean, it was, like, years of just accumulated why-am-I-here <laughs> types of feelings and mm-hmm. it just like all came to a head in like 2017, 2018. And, um, you know, my life really changed. Um, you know, I started to really look at my life and was like, what do I, what do I want to do when I'm here while I'm here? Who do I want to be while I'm here? Is who I'm being like, not really me. I mean, like all of these tough questions just like really hit me and slapped me. And then like, I was like, well, what the hell? I feel like I need to commit myself to a mental hospital. So I was like researching. I was like, oh, apparently this happens to people. And like, I just, there was nothing out there that was real. Like every time I would be like, what is happening to me? It would be like, oh, you're going through a psychotic break. You should probably go get some meds. Or it was like, um, you need to go to meditation class and you need to like go live in a cave. And I'm like, what? The, this is not what what's happening to me. It's not <laughs> not. So long story short, my book is basically um, my experience of my awakening because I know that people need to hear it from somebody that's like real you know so it's just it's a collection of stories um like back by songs that inspired me um and every song every chapter is a story uh about something that happened to me during my awakening um or that led up to my awakening or like caused it so um yeah it's it's just it kind of flows they're they're short chapters I have some poetry in there um that I added at the 11th hour I was like wouldn't that be fun to put some poetry in there? And like, I had some, I'm like, oh, so yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. That's a great synopsis. And I I wanted it to come from you. So I read it and I took notes because I'm a lunatic. And uh, there are so many important things in there. Like you really talk about your awakening and you hope other people share it as, you know, have it as well. And you share your stories and you have a lot of examples to back all your, you know, your stories up. But the notes I took probably don't, fully coincide with the awakening part but i took down i noted a couple things here that stood out to me because i i found them funny or interesting or relatable um the first thing i wrote down here is um because i took notes as the book went on so these are going to be in order as i love it i can't wait when you care about yourself you eat better you watch less bullshit on tv and you read more books. Ha ha. I don't even know if that makes sense. Yes, it does. It makes complete sense. 
And I like that you said, ha ha. I don't even know if that makes sense because that to me is like a stream of consciousness thought. Like you were just talking out loud. I heard you saying that as a person in a conversation. That's exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly why I love the book because a lot of the book is like that, but also that statement itself is totally true. When you feel when you feel good and care about yourself, you take care of yourself so much better. But if you're in a funk, man, you don't give a fuck. No. And like you do, like you consume absolute garbage. I mean, like it's, it's so funny. I mean, like I definitely noticed that I watch way more reality trash and eat trash when I feel like trash. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, they all go hand in hand. They really do. Um, when, um, like I've noticed for me, if I'm reading more, I'm writing more. So like some things go, go hand in hand. And when you're feeling good about yourself, if you're eating healthier, working out, drinking less, like you want to keep the whole package going, it's all intertwined. And I didn't realize that until I was like 32 or 33. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. When I sat down to write my book and haha, I still don't know if it really makes sense, but yeah, I know. I know. Your thirties. I feel like I don't know. I'm like excited to get older, man. I really am. I mean, like I just feel like I don't have that like getting old anxiety. <laughs> I don't think I do. I don't. I don't, I don't think feel I do old. Maybe it's because we don't feel old. I don't know. No, we don't. Another thing I wrote down, which this found me, this really made me laugh because you said um, you hated the way corporate women act towards each other. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's terrible. (laughs) That stood out to me because uh, in my mid-20s, I had a corporate job for six months, and it was me and about 20 to 25 women. Oh, God bless you. (laughs) it It was the fucking worst. Yeah. Like it sounds good on paper, but like someone cried every day. And then one time I saw a woman grab a stapler from another woman's desk and she said, I think you had enough and walked (laughs) away with it. And I was like, yeah, about a stapler. And she treated it like a toddler with like a bag of candy. Like, I think you've had enough. And I was like, what the fuck? This is terrible. Oh, it's brutal, man. I definitely, um, I definitely worked much better with men. Um, I just, I just like appreciated their lack of bullshit. I mean, you know, like there's just so many games, like, ah, uh, it's like a game within a game. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Now I, um, like, I mean, I thought that not to say I didn't like my coworkers, a handful of them. I really liked and I'm still friendly with to this day. But just the whole picture overall was like, you know, it sounds so good in theory. Like, oh, my God, 25 women. I know something's going to happen with one of them. Nope. I didn't want anything with anybody. (laughs) Nothing. The thing you said, too, you know what really made me laugh and smile? Because, um, again, a music reference. You specifically talked about Alanis Morissette's ironic music video where she's wearing the three different sweaters to represent her three different personalities in that video. Okay, I remember that video as clear as day because one, Jagged Little Pill is a phenomenal album, which you okay. do mention in the book. Mm-hmm. I've, I got it on cassette when I was 12 and I still have it somewhere. But I actually went to the Hard Rock Cafe in San Francisco and they had all three of those sweaters in a corner booth and that's where my, me and my family had lunch. No shit! Uh-huh. Oh, I'm so jealous. 
I, I was 13. This was seriously tw- like 20 something years ago, but I vividly remember sitting at that exact table because I loved that cassette at the time. And I was thought it was so cool that I was with the actual sweaters. They had all three in the wall in, in a corner and that what was on the wall all around us. Oh, that's so cool. I love Alanis. Oh, dude, that album is so good. So, ir- so, so iconic. I was going to say so erotic. <laughs> I, I, they, I mean, I would have made that little uh, word mishap, too. <laughs> the, um, you said something, too. There is magic in silence. And I loved that because that is so true. That is so, so true. What, do you, what did you mean by that in the book? Um, when did I write that in the book? That was towards the end because I have my notes written here chronologically. I could probably find it. Okay, so towards the end, yeah, okay. Um, I mean, like, sometimes, like, I find, I mean, I love to talk, and I could talk for days about anything. Um, and also, like, when you're trying to figure shit out, um, I don't know. I mean, like, sometimes you just got to tune, like, everything out. You got to tune everybody else's shit out. Um, oh, God, yeah. And I feel like creatively especially when I was trying to write the book um, and even just like through awakening, like if I was trying to figure out like, why do I, why am I like this? Like, why do I do this shit? Um, you know, instead of like running to Google and like, or like watching people's YouTube videos or like scrolling on Instagram and like, Oh, well, what do they say? What do they say? It's like, you sometimes you just need to shut the fuck up, you know? And like, you just need to be quiet with yourself. And like, you know, you don't always have to like sit and meditate. I mean, like you can fucking drive and like, you know, turn those, turn the fucking music off and be like, wow, this is what it's like to just be with myself. And it's so trippy. I mean, like how often are you really, are we ever really like truly alone anymore? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great. It's rare. No, it's rare. It is, yeah. But there is, there's so much magic in that, in that, like just silent space. Um, almost to the point sometimes where it like freaks me out. I'm like, it almost does feel like there's like someone else there. <laughs> You know, like <laughs> the big someone else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like a higher presence of yeah, some sort. Yeah, totally. I like silence because um, you can just you you learn more by listening too. Mm-hmm. Like, and like like you said, we all talk. We all love to talk. But sometimes when you just stop back, when you just stop for a second and listen and just take it in, I feel like you learn significantly so much more. And I say this too, in regards to like live comedy, like obviously as a comic, I want um, to kill. I want the jokes to crush and I want the crowd laughing as hard as they can. But at the same time, when I'm setting a joke up and the crowd is quiet, I fucking love that because I know they're listening. Yeah. Like there's just as much power in that silence as there is when the punchline hits and they all laugh. Oh, so it's that like definitely the silent stu- buildup. Yeah. It's, Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Like I love, and I do this for me cause I'm a, I'm crazy. <laughs> like if I'm setting up a joke, the, the punchline's not coming for a few more seconds. I will stop take a pause and I stop for a quick second and scan the whole room. And when I don't hear a pin drop, it's like almost as cool as when the punchline hits because I, maybe it's a control thing. I don't know, but I just have them exactly where I want them. They're silent. They're listening. And I know they're on board. And that is just as important as like fucking making them laugh when I hit them when I want to. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the bass drop of like a techno song. (laughs) Absolutely. It's, it's, it's exactly. like the same thing. 
So let me backtrack a little bit. So, okay, so we went to high school together, but we weren't friends in high school. We didn't really become friends till like, I don't know, mid-20s, late-20s, something, I guess. I know, I know. I just, I always think of that one night that we met up. That we hung out on South Street. Yes, and um, yeah, man, that was like my drunkest times of my life. I'm so happy that we got to share that together, that you got to be a part of that time of my life. But it's so funny, like, it's so actually, like, I don't know. It's just, it means like a lot to me. I know I've talked to you about this before, but like. No, well, no. Uh, well, that's why, that's why we're talking about it here because yeah. I mean, you and I chat pretty frequently, but now we're going on public record with oh, it. So what, 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 what meant a lot to you? Um, that, I mean. Where did you, we meet up? What was that bar again? It was Grace Tavern. Grace Tavern. South Street. I got so fucked up there. Oh, alone. I, I, so I arrived. I arrived bombed. I remember that. I, and I drove and I drove home that night. I'm not oh proud, God. but I did. Oh man, I we've all been there. Um I had to fly somewhere, I think, for for the job I had at the time the next day. Oh I, my god, you're right. You did. I had to fly the day after you. I remember us uh, talking about that. Yeah. I but just, you had you had the next day flight. I did yeah. not. <laughs> I love I was like the queen of getting shit faced like and packing my bag like two hours before I had to go somewhere. Um yeah god bless my 20s um but no you had i think um well you had already you had already been into comedy and and stuff and like i know that like always inspired me and i remember we were just i mean i was so drunk but i mean i I wasn't i remember you you being there (laughs) no i remember it too you were just so like Cause I was just like joking and stuff. And like, I really, that was like kind of the first time that I was like, you know what? Maybe I could try comedy. Like maybe I could do this someday. Like, I just remember that was kind of when like I always, when I like, and then when I actually dabbled in it, I, I always thought about that night. I'm like, Oh my God, like Pat House does comedy. Like <laughs> he just inspired me. So what made you want to get into it? Besides, besides like maybe hanging out that night. Did you like stand up before that? Did you follow no, it before no. then? I mean, I loved watching stand up, um, and it always got me like you had said this. I think in like your very first, I think you might have said this in your very first podcast episode that like you watching comics, you were always like, oh, like I really just want to do that. Like you just felt it, you know, like yeah, yeah. And um, I do, I get that feeling. I'm like, oh, like I just, I want that to be me, like. You know, whereas a lot of people would be like, that's fucking terrifying. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. Um, and so what eventually pushed me into it um, <laughs> was my husband broke up with me um, shortly after we got together. And I was like, fuck this. You know, this is like <laughs> my time now. I'm never, you know, like I'm going to go out and do me. And like comedy was one of the things that I picked up in the summer that we were broken up. Um, and my friends like loved it. I was, I did a couple things at helium. Um, I did a paid show in Camden. That was terrible. Uh, but I got paid. I went to, I went been, to, oh my been God. there. Oh my God. It was so bad. <laughs> it was like, but I got, I went to Coachella the next day, so it was okay. I was like, I'm just going to, so fight. let me guess you were drunk the night before that flight. Um, no, I, I don't think I was. Oh. I don't think I was, actually. <laughs> now that I remember. Yeah, but 
Yeah. All right. Let me interject here before I forget. So what you just said, the same way you just said talking to me kind of maybe sparked the idea of doing stand up a little bit. That's how I feel about your book. Like I have a book idea. I, I told you, I told you that a few, yeah. few weeks ago um, before your book came out. Like I have just like this podcast, I guess I've had an idea sitting on my mind forever. And then when I saw your book was coming out and it was a finished product and we were talking about it, I was like, holy shit, that's the next thing I want to start doing. So yeah, it's man. kind of kind of a two-way street. The exact same way you felt about stand-up, I feel about the book. Yeah, do it. It's it's I still can't believe that it's actually out. <laughs> that's so crazy. Well, that's awesome though. And I mean, dude, I know I said it earlier on the podcast, but people are buying it like crazy. I mean, you're Thank constantly God. sharing the pictures people are sending you. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's so funny. It's not just like family and friends either. Like I have I have people there's like a a handful of people in the UK that I, I actually, I love them. I've just, I've become friends with them online, um, you know, within like spiritual awakening stuff. And it just, mm-hmm. my, my publishing company, um, my publisher is from the UK. Um, I just have like a UK fan base and it, it's like, it's so, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, this is so fun. And like, yeah, it, it is. It's so, it's cool to see other people, um, reading it and it's, and they're flying through it like you are, like you did. I'm like, oh my god, people are actually reading this in a day. Oh Dude, I was actually, he- I was actually hesitant to text you with how quickly I finished it because I was gonna, I was like, she's gonna think I am like a serial killer stalker, like because I really, I got it on my Kindle and I was done in 36 hours because I enjoyed it and I had the time and I just flew through it. And then I've had a part of me was like, dude, don't tell her now. Like, she's going to think you're a fucking lunatic. Yeah, it's like, you got to wait. You got to wait a couple days before you text, you know? Like, yeah, abso- absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, exact, it's the exact same thing. So how did you get your book picked up? How did you shop it around? Or what was the process when you were, um, what, was, what was your process? Did you um, shop around as, as you were writing? Yeah. So I actually, um, her name's Nicola. She runs the Unbound Press who published my book. Um, and it's actually kind of like a hybrid, um, like self-publishing slash like publishing service. Um, so I reached out to her when I knew this is like probably the end of 2019. I was like, I have this idea. I want to write like a real life account of somebody's awakening without the spiritual bullshit. I can't stand it. Like, I want to write something. And she was like, I think that's needed. Um, let's stay in touch. Um, and when you are, I think I had like some stuff that I had written and I sent it to her and, um, you know, just to like her to get a sample or whatever. And then, um, when I actually set, when I actually got the idea for like the format of my book, I reached back out to her. I was like, Hey, like, I don't know if you're still interested. Um, and she was like, yeah. And then I had, I had a decent amount written at that time. And she's like, this is great. Um, we would love to have you. So, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I kind of just like knew it was her, you know, like I just, yeah, you felt it. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, the, oh, they're so great too. There's so many other people that publish, um, with her that have done it with the Unbound Press and, um, they're like family now, you know, like it's, it's cool. Like I like yeah. the family kind of atmosphere there. It's so laid back and that's really important to me too. Um, especially for like a first book. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, <laughs> but um, dude, seriously, like dude, like do any of us at any given time? No. Yeah, I know. Good. Like I think about that. I, 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 I really do. Um, even 
you know, I keep saying with comedy, people know I'm a comic, but fuck it. I'm, you know, rolling with a conversation here. <laughs> I think all this, some of the same times, like I, like when COVID, when shows started again, I was like, what the fuck are my jokes? Oh, do, I, do, yeah. I, do I know what I'm doing? What, how, how do I do this? Do I even know what I'm doing? And then like, I, I feel like those thoughts never go away, which isn't a bad thing, but you just dive into the fire like you did with your book. And then you just, you roll with it from there. I know. Yeah, you do. I mean, that's kind of just like, I'll, I'll, I, I, I keep saying, I'm like, I'll figure it out later. You know, like my dad's like, what are the sales? Like, well, I want to see. And I'm like, I have no fucking clue, dad, please stop. Like, I'm just, I'll figure it out. You know, like, um, I don't know. I just, it's still like so raw, you know, like I still can't believe that like, like people are like, you're a published author. I was like, Oh wow. Like I am like, it's so weird. It It is weird, but it's, it's awesome. It's an endeavor where you put yourself out there and that's the exact shit I love, whether it's music or comedy, or in your case, you're sharing a very, you know, personal account in your book. That's the shit I fucking love. Because if you think about it, like you said, your um, like your chapters are named after song titles. Well, that's why why people love music because they can relate to songs. That's why people relate to stand up because comics joke about a breakup or a lost loved one or an awkward encounter at Target. You just love shit that's relatable, and that's exactly what your book points to. Now, when you get to it in your life, is a different story because we all have our own life. But I mean, you detailed yours, and that's exactly what. We need, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same thing. You're putting your art out there and that's what it yeah. comes down to. And I feel like too, you could probably, you probably will agree. It's like once you like, I feel like this for me was like, I, I really got the ball rolling, you know, like I pushed it. Like, you know, I, I, I got the ball ready and I like, I'm start, I just rolled it. And now I feel like, you know, like things are, things are like flowing. You know, I feel like I just had to like get it out there and now it's like, cool. This is cool. Yeah, once you get the ball rolling, now are you motivated to do another book uh, right away, or you have something else in your back pocket right now, or are you taking a breather? Yeah, I mean, I'm taking a breather. Actually, like I had thought, because I had so many songs left over um, that I could have written Ooh, about. okay. Tell me some, just give me some song titles that would have been chapters. Um, So Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel was going to be my corporate exit chapter yes because that's he wrote he wrote that when he left genesis yes so but it was so like freedom 90 by george michael actually stole the show there with my yes. story but columbia columbia records we in columbia <laughs> yeah but um i just feel like salisbury hill still it has like a lot of other meaning to me like i that was definitely one that i didn't um, I didn't put in. And then there's this other song. Um, I couldn't even write about it without like bawling my eyes out. I was like, this song is still like too crazy. So this one song, there's like a, it's a little, they're a little band out of the pack Northwest. I want to say Portland or Washington, somewhere up there. Um, the Helio sequence. They're these two guys. They're like, they're amazing. Um, I actually heard their song hallelujah on pandora um in like 2011 2012 when i was like going through a really tough time and their song is about it's basically about um like it's about like people on earth like looking up at the sky and realize that like they're being watched 
and they're trying to find answers and they're like what like they're trying to like piece everything together and then the chorus is like we don't want answers anyway and like I got chills like talking about it like every time I hear that song I mean like it meant so much to me then and then this year with like everything going on um it just kind of came full circle and I was like this is I need to write about this but like I still couldn't it was it's still like too magical (laughs) I don't Mm -hmm. know but like there's like that song um Oh gosh, yeah. There's there's a bunch. Um, I could have definitely, but like so, I I always am like, oh, well, the sequel. It'll be like deep cuts, like Rude Awakening deep cuts. But like, um, that was my next there, question. Is is the next book going to be a sequel, or is it going to be something completely different because you already put this one out there? Yeah, you know, I'm still kicking it around. Um, I feel like I I'm pretty honest, and I feel like I was really honest in my book um but i feel i would like, say so as a reader yeah but i feel now, like no now we we don't know what you withheld but right. as the reader i am totally certain that you were being completely honest with us yeah so i feel like it was raw but like now that it's i still was like a little scared you know because it's so personal um i do definitely feel like whatever sequel i will put out will be that much raw more raw and blunt and raunchier (laughs) so i'm like i don't know i don't know what format it's gonna take it i do love the music theme um but we'll see i'm trying to i love the music theme too now are so you had all these songs now are those bands some of your favorite bands in general or did you just like those songs like yeah, you know, um, Be- because, you know, like, so, so I have your book right here, like for an example, like you have, all right, Criminal, Fiona Apple, right. so you have Criminal, do you like a lot of her stuff or do you just like that one song or same thing going with John Mellencamp or Jamiroquai or, yeah, you, you know, know what? any, any artists in the book? They, it, they're, so, it's, you know, it's so funny. I never really, um. I never really thought about it until now. They're not. They're not. Well, I'm like, trying. I'm. I've never like, asked. I'm. I'm new to this too. So I'm. We're fucking rolling, baby. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're like. It. It. It's so. Oh, let me try to articulate this because it's so like music. Just like. It. it oh, hmm. It's like the songs. Like I would hear it like criminal, for example, um, every time I heard criminal, I would always like later in life, I would always think about how much of a bitch I was like to guys. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, like when she sings like those lyrics in criminal, I was like, oh, my God, there's probably guys that actually think this is me. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I was like, OK, well, that's what we're writing about, you know, but like, no, I'm not really like a huge Fiona Apple fan, you know, it's just and you do of... have a chapter called bitch, too, ironically. Oh enough. My God, yeah. Meredith Brooks. Uh, ironically enough, that's a that didn't, wasn't even going for the uh, Alanis Morissette pun, as I referenced Meredith Brooks. Meredith Brooks. I remember this is like the best memory of Meredith Brooks, bitch. I was on a school bus. And I mean, like we were, we were I'm already on board. <laughs> we were so young. I mean, like when did Meredith Brooks bitch come out? Where we were, I think we were, I think I, I was in seventh grade. I remember my, had, I was going to say, I was going to say late nineties. Definitely. Yeah, seventh grade teacher, Miss Rishkovsky. We all get on the bus. Or I think we were going to like the Franklin Institute or some shit. And the bus driver had the music on and 
the song came on and you know we all knew it so we were like oh hoo, hoo, you know and then like when she said the word bitch like i'm a bitch the teacher was like oh turn this off like it was i just always remember that it was so funny <laughs> those memories stick with you yeah especially like yep yep they absolutely because that ties into the whole thing of you have memories tied to songs and that's why they stay with us. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah. But that song made it in my book because I mean, it's like you're so many things, you know? And I think what inspired me to write about that song, I was like trying to figure out, you know, like I went through my initial like awakening experience. I realized I hate my job. I realized I like, I, I'm not even, I'm not doing anything creative with my life. Like I don't like the life I'm living and I'm trying to like figure it out. So like I signed up for all these fucking programs and like self-development, this and that. And like went into like a huge amount of debt trying to like, you know, I was following all these people's formulas, but it was so inauthentic, you know, it was like, like, I think I wrote in my book, um, you know, I got some really shitty advice that was like, don't post this because people won't understand it. And like, make sure I had a fucking coach tell me that I had to have my LinkedIn picture changed because it was too old. She's like, you look too young here. I was like, um, that was like taken last year. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay. I don't know. Just like so much shitty advice. And then I heard Meredith Brooks bitch and I was like, you know what? I can be whatever the fuck I want, whenever I want. Like, I don't know why everybody is trying to, like, be in this, like, cookie-cutter way. I just, I hate that shit. So, okay, so a lot of your chapters that are named after songs, there are a handful of them. Is there one song that stands out to you the most? I'm not asking for a favorite or anything, but, I mean, of all the songs you have, chapters named after, which one stands above the rest? Um, Chandelier is... Um, probably I would say Chandelier might be, um, the song. Um, I still, like, I cry every time I hear it because it reminds me, like, so for the book, um, Sia's Chandelier, uh, I actually heard the song after the time in my life that it reminds me of, like, it didn't come out. The song didn't come out until I think after I had like already gone through that time, but I remember hearing it and I was like, holy fucking shit. So Chandelier is about, (laughs) um, you know, basically a party girl who is trying to like numb herself to anything and everything, but like, she's so much fun. So it's like, Oh, everybody's like coming to her door to like have a good time. And like, nobody knows that she's like actually a hot mess inside and is like so broken. And um, that song to me um, just really, really just I, I I actually I put that song on on repeat for like hours and just wrote that chapter um and that to me um that just that chapter is always the one that I I feel like it always comes like front and center all right I will say this I'm a huge music nut all across the board I consider myself pretty knowledgeable because I love it so much I had no idea what that song was or who wrote it until I read your book that, that one was totally, totally unknown to me. Yeah, you know, I'm honestly, I'm not really even sure if it was a radio hit or not. I don't even know. I mean, I don't even really like listen to the radio like too, too much anymore. Um, but yeah, I don't even remember like where I even heard it first. Like it just, I remember when I heard it, I was like, oh my God, that reminds me of my like hot mess period of my life. Um, so you mentioned, you mentioned, okay, so in the hot mess period, you, specifically mentioned three olives grape oh oh i can't i haven't had it since 
I used to have drink you, that. Have you had the mango? Three Elves mango? No. Is that it's new? It's delicious. No, it's not new at all. I've been drinking that for years. You know what? And I by had? drinking it, I mean just doing shots of it. But. <laughs> you know what I had at the Windrift in Avalon? It was like three olives loops. Wasn't it like oh. the fruit loops? Loopy. Yep. Loopy. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I used yeah. to golf with friends in the morning and we would put that in a flask because it was like a breakfast drink. Oh, it's a cereal. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's a, yeah. There's a correlation. Yeah, three olives grape. I can't. I don't even know why. I don't know. I feel like it was a very like. I don't know why. I don't know. That was just the the, the sponsor. It's good. Sponsor I, drink of my apartment on Spruce Street. <laughs> I've had it. It's it's not bad. I like it. I mean, it's not. It's, it wouldn't be my go to, but I mean, a little like shot on the side of that. Not bad at all. I'm afraid if I actually if I did a shot, I would probably. Um, blackout immediately and would need to well there's no clubs to go to right now so uh i don't know maybe i would be okay maybe it's actually the perfect <laughs> environment to try to drink it again <laughs> i don't know <laughs> all right well when, when we go to applebee's that's going to be yes. first on the agenda that's their top shelf i'm sure so the story that stood out to me the most was the day i, I don't was it i don't can't recall if it was the day but the day you had your awakening at work and had to leave the office and go sit in the park oh god yeah that was all right walk us through that story okay you, briefly you don't have to like read you know the yeah. book chapter so, but i mean tell us because that's so and that was so interesting to me that you're i'm not going to ruin it here but like you're body or like your mind took over so tell us what happened yeah so I had been like I had been kind of like quote unquote into awakening for like maybe like a like six months before this happened to me um so I was reading a lot of spiritual shit I had gone to like you know a spiritual um which I also write about like a big like you know retreat um whatever. And I was like meditating a lot, smoking a lot of weed as usual. Um, and I was sitting in my office, I was completely sober. And I just I started to get like really hot. And I'm like, what the fuck? And like, you know, I mean, offices are like below zero at all times. Um, and I was always like, wearing my coat in the office. I'm like, why am I so hot? Like, I thought I was getting sick. And then everything started to like, get like warpy and I'm like what is going on here uh, I had to get up and like I looked around and I'm like oh my god people probably think I'm like going crazy right now but like no one, no one <laughs> saw me so I got up and I like went outside and like it just everything felt I felt like I was on drugs um it was like the trippiest thing ever and I like walk outside and it was just like it, it felt and I've never surprisingly I've never even done like hard psychedelics either um so like mushrooms or LSD, like, but I feel like that is the kind of experience I had. And it was so crazy. I was just walking around in the park. I like bought some chocolate. I like was looking at dogs and like just chilling and everything was so like colorful and bright. And then I was That's like, a great work break. Yeah. But then I was like, Oh my fucking God, how long have I been out here? Like <laughs> I had no idea. Like I lost complete track of time. It was so strange. Um, yeah, it was like the strangest fucking thing. One of the strangest things that's ever happened to me. And like, I went back inside and I was like, well, what the fuck is this? Like, and of course, then I'm like Googling and, you know, they're like, please go, go get medical attention immediately. And I was like, but I'm not crazy. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not, I, I know that I'm not crazy. I've gone crazy. Like, I've actually had 
you know, psychological issues. Like, it's not that. Um, like, what the fuck is this? And then, um, yeah, I actually found out there's like a guy. I actually am just starting to get into him. His name's um, Jules Evans. I have to buy his book. Um, this thing that happened to me is apparently what's called a spiritual emergency. Um, Jules Evans. All right. Yeah, he he's Jules the philosopher um, on Instagram. Um, and he like he'll write articles and stuff. Um, but he basically said that like this happens to people. Um, usually it happens to people when they do like psychedelics and then it's like they have this experience and then it like goes away and they're like not the same, you know? You're like, Well, what the fuck was that? Why did I see things like this? Why did I you know? And so like but like we don't I don't think society has right now like the right environment for people to like actually like talk about this shit without, you know, like like it has to it has to like like the craziness of it has to go away. So like, that's kind of why I wanted to share my story because I hope like, I know other people have gone through this shit, but either they're not talking about it or they're in a mental hospital for a wrong reason. Like, I don't know. I mean, it, it was just so trippy, man. Um, I still, I have like such vivid memories of that day too. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what was that? But I really think it was just like, just some like a spontaneous experience that I had and um yeah it was it really made it really like shifted my perspective on like life it was so weird were you able to work the rest of that day no. like actually focus or were <laughs> no, you too busy like, being like what the fuck was that no I continued to like sweat through my clothes as I was googling like uh psychotic break <laughs> I was, like you know and I mean I had luckily I didn't have anybody up my ass that day um I think I may have even left early but but, you know, and then, like, it's, like, how do I fucking go sit in my cube ever again after that? Like, you know, it was just, I almost feel like, too, it could have been, like, I knew I was, like, done with this job. And I, like, spontaneously tripped out. To, like, it just showed me I really had to get the fuck out of there. I don't know. I still don't know. I'm still, like, I think about it all the time. And I'm, like, wow, what a crazy gift. Like, what a weird thing. <laughs> so Did strange. you put in your two weeks immediately after that? No, um, no. You walked the fuck out like a boss. I uh, yeah, I know. Like I, I just tripped out spontaneously. I'll see you later. Everything's good. No, I think <laughs> I, I, I think I sucked it up for maybe um like three or four months um after that. And then but you had to have thought about that every single day. Oh, every day until you left. Every day, and I didn't even feel like I really had anybody to tell it to because I had like a couple of friends who had I had met at that this like spiritual retreat, and like the one girl was like, "Oh, it's this," and I'm like, "Oh, okay." But like in my real life, I was like, "I don't fucking I can't tell anybody about this." Like, what? Like people are gonna think I'm crazy. Um, but you know, now that I feel more confident about it, and you know, I just kind of want to get it out there. I hope that as more people read my book, they're going to be like, yes, that's happened to me. Because if they don't, then <laughs> I don't know what that means. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe somebody spiked the water cooler. I don't know. <laughs> so your book is selling and, you know, you want to strike while the iron's hot. You know, are there any plans to take things in your book to put to do on stage to make it like a motivational speaking thing to speak to like college kids or or even take your story to corporate America. Yeah. Like, is, do, you, do you have an angle to bring this? You know, Cause you and I were talking a few weeks ago about, you said you want to, you know, get on stage somehow. Not, you mentioned that earlier today, but we were also talking a few weeks ago about it. Um, is that you think you can do a turnover with that? Yeah. I just, I'm still, I'm still kind of, I feel like I'm using my book as kind of like a, um, 
like I have such a broad audience right now. Um, it's actually which is good. Yeah, which is very good. Yeah, because and I am actually really happy that that's happening. Um, you know, I have people that are like on the really like spiritual end who are like eating it up, and then I have you know people that aren't so much, but they're like super interested in it. And I wanted to write it in a way that like bridge that gap. So I just I think I think I'm gonna wait and see like how my audience kind of plays out and then kind of like build something around that. Um, you know what I mean? Um, cause I could go like in so many ways. Uh, I just, Oh, it could, you could write up, you know, a synopsis of your book and write it as like a pitch to colleges or whoever, even corporate yeah. America, even though, you know, you don't want to take the angle of like, I'm encouraging you to leave this bullshit, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I really do think like college kids, I always do think about, um, and kids in general, um, you know, I just think about like me as a kid and like, I know, like I write about this in my book. Like I, there are definitely, there's definitely a time in my like little kid life where I, I was like, I got to change to fit in and, you know, oh, I just want to catch kids like before that happens. I'm like, no, stay the same, please. It's just, it sucks right now, but like you're going to be so successful if you just like ride this thing out, you know, like popular kids are like bald and drunk and have no life anymore. Like, you know, like just like stick through it. You're so special. Like I wish somebody would have like told me that. And here I am at 35, like, you know, finally undoing it all. But it's like, everybody fucking goes through that shit. It's, it's so, ugh. you absolutely can talk to kids. I mean, I've done our, we went to O'Hara uh, together. I've done their career day twice. No, like you, could, you, you had? Could, I did. I did a Zoom for them yesterday, actually. No way. Yeah. Um, well, long story short, two years ago, I was the keynote speaker in the auditorium, and that was fucking bizarre. It oh was my fun. God, that's great. It was fun. It was fun. Um, <laughs> but it was also very awkward because there was just 1,200 kids in the crowd. And the whole time I'm like, man, if this were a real crowd and I was doing a real show, this would be awesome. Um, but I, I did a Zoom yesterday, but, you know, I just talked to the kids about, like, I know it's such a vague statement, but I talked to these kids about just, like, not following your dreams, per se, but in a way, kind of. Like, I told them, I was like, I thought about doing stand-up when I was in O'Hara. I had a notebook I would jot stuff down in. I went to college. And then when I was two years out of high school, I started doing stand-up because I wanted to. And I'm 36. I make money doing it now. I'm not loaded by any means, but I'm having more fun than ever. And I'm not tied to a desk all day. Yeah. So I, I've told that to kids now. That's awesome. They and there's nothing wrong with being tied to a desk all day. If you like your job, if you make great money, right. what, you know, you do what works for you. But you and I know that's not for us by any means. Yeah. And I tell these kids, I'm like, man, I was 14 sitting in the same desk you were thinking about doing stand up. I'm 36 and I'm doing it and it's fucking awesome. That's, that's awesome. the whole, that's the whole, that's the whole bottom line. I love that. So I think you definitely have an angle there as well with on multiple levels between young high school kids, college and corporate. I mean, you can even take what you wrote. I feel like, and cater it to each demographic, you know? Yeah. It's so, there's so many, there's just so much there. There's like, there's a lot I could do. Um, I also have this like grand vision. Um, this is like a grand supervision. Um, but I feel like I would love, like, I love to sing. Um, 
and I would love to like I started playing the piano a little bit. Oh, I have to get back in recently. Uh, over like the last year, Doug, my husband, got me a keyboard. And um, oh my god, you actually, wrote a book. Like, you play piano. What else did you fucking do during <laughs> pandemic? Jesus. So this was like pre-pandemic. Um, but I actually took to it like really quick, and then I just fucking like everything else. I was like, oh, bleh. you know, I probably like got high and played video games instead. But like, I keep having this vision. It keeps coming around to like do something on stage that's like a hybrid, like. Maybe I'll play the song and sing it, like all the songs from my book, and like kind of do like a singing, speaking like thing. And I just, even if it was like other people singing it, like I had like a variety show, like I just, I feel like that would be so cool. Well, let's work on it. I know. I would love that. Oh my gosh, I do. I feel like I definitely want to get back on stage. I, I have so much fun on stage. Like I love being on there. It just doesn't scare me. Did you act when we were in high school? I did the shows. I never, um, you know, I never had any big parts. Uh, I was in the chorus. um, And then I, my favorite thing I ever did, I was in um, Footloose. They cast me as the drummer for like the band that was playing during like one scene. And like, I just like took it to a whole other level. I was just like... (laughs) crazy lunatic drummer who like didn't know how to play drums but like i was like i loved it that was like my favorite thing that i did (laughs) were you ever in a band no i wasn't my doug was though my husband was he was in a pop punk band nice yes so we have some music in the are they still doing it is he yeah are Um, they still together i mean i know it's pandemic times well, but yeah, I mean, are they still he, was, a band? he was so excited he, his band was gonna have a they were gonna get back together and um they had like a date and everything and then covid happened and they got canceled so uh, yeah it was a huge bummer for them i uh sucked but hopefully we can do it soon we're over the hump i think or i i, I like to think we're over the hump i think so i think once it starts to get nicer out too people are gonna just be like all right let's you know, let's we're, do stuff. We're doing it. Yeah. So where, if you love singing, where do you do it mostly? Shower, car, all the car, above? Yeah, car mostly. There's something about my car. Um, I know because we're all, it's a non-judgmental zone where we are Adele or we are Dave Grohl. Like, yeah. and nobody's there to tell us otherwise. No, and like you sound like a million bucks. Like, <laughs> Whether Except, it's true or not, you're just like, oh my god, I feel like I'm, I could win like American Idol right now. I, did you ever sing so bad though, like, like, or like hit a note so wrong where you actually like embarrass yourself and you're alone? Yeah, or when it catches like, like catches her throat in a weird way, and you're like, oh my god. And then you're like, how do they do this every yeah, night? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's awesome. I love singing in the car. Oh, I mean, we all do car shower. You know, I yeah. I do stand up in the car and shower. That's like where I practice. That's great. <laughs> the car, man. The car is so sacred. I tell this to people all the time. It's like that is my. That's like my like bubble where I like get my deepest thinking done. Like it's so crazy. It's just like it's my my zen den. <laughs> my car. I feel that way about planes. Oh yeah. A lot of times. Um, I don't purchase the Wi-Fi and I either read or write or both, but whether it's like a one hour flight or a five hours to cross country, I really use time in the air to like go off the map. Yeah. There's something about it. And it's really nice. Like, Oh, 
I'm not going to check Facebook. Oh, because I can't. <laughs> I know. You know what? Sometimes I wish that there was like a way to do that when you walk in your house, you know, like, I mean, airplane mode, I guess, but you know, like True. if it was like forced like that, I feel like everybody needs that. Yeah. It feels so good too. It does. It really does. Um, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to print one thing from your book that really made me laugh. You talked about working at Ab- Abercrombie, right? Oh yes. And you said the good looking people worked up front mm-hmm. and the not so good looking people worked in the back. That was right? the rumor. That was. The oh rumor. no, I believe it. That made me laugh so hard, right? Because, <laughs> uh, 10 years ago or so, me and a comic buddy of mine, Brendan went to New York city to watch a comedy central taping of uh, my buddy, Joe DeRosa. He was doing a half hour for comedy central and we went up to watch it. Right. It's a TV taping and there was no assigned seating really. So you get in line and then they tell you where to go. And we noticed they were putting good looking people in the front couple rows and in like the balconies on the side. And they look at me and Brendan and they sent us to the third balcony. Oh my God, no. I swear, swear to God. <laughs> uh, we still laugh about it to this day. So that really made me laugh because I don't know how corporate America works, but like that shit is real. They're like, oh my God, this is such a good looking couple. These two chicks are hot. Let's get them on camera. All right, oh, these two yeah. guys fucking the rafters. Oh my God. <laughs> I actually, you just reminded me of uh, one of my jobs. I, they had, they were doing like a lot of, um, it had, the company I worked for was doing, um, it won like best workplace in, in the area or something, something, not, not the best. It was like on a list and because you were, worked there. Yeah. Was that? Cause I worked <laughs> no, there. Because no, I worked. because you worked there. Yeah, yeah, because you worked they there. knew, they knew. <laughs> um, and they asked me to like take all these professional pictures. Like they asked a bunch of people. It wasn't just me. Um, and we all like, you know, we got makeup done. It was like, cool. There was like so many of us. And don't you know, they fucking picked me to be like in the paper. And I was like, oh my God, I can never leave. I, and they put me on the fucking career page and all this stuff. And I literally quit like months after. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, can we still use your picture? I'm like, sure. Go ahead. I don't care. Oh, that's funny. They're like, we don't care. We just want to use this. They're oh, like, well, that's of the career page because clearly you don't work there anymore. But <laughs> I think my face is still floating around on company materials there. I have to ask. I know people that work there still. Maybe. Oh, that'd be great if there was like a little like asterisk next to your name. Be yeah. like <laughs> Oh my god. What a nightmare. <laughs> how how long did you uh dabble in stand up for? Um, let's see. Uh it probably like a probably like a solid year. I was like nice. I did maybe like five or six gigs, mostly like amateur stuff. And then that one mm-hmm. um the one gig. Paid paid gig in Camden. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, uh, were you really into stand up at the time? Like, did you watch a lot of comics, or were I, you just kind of doing your own thing, or did you like dive in? Because I know, well, I'm, I I was a fan before, but I mean, like, I I couldn't watch enough because I wanted to learn. Whether it was a live show or Comedy Central or HBO, I just fucking I watched it relentlessly for years. Yeah, I was like, I watched like people that. I like binge watch people that I like, I was like obsessed with like Eliza Schlesinger. I was like obsessed with her. 
Um, so I was like watching a lot of her stuff um, and just like old comics that like, I feel like they just you can't get away with the shit that like used to be said anymore. And like, I just, I appreciate it so much. And I was like, God, this just gives me like, like watching them just gives me like, even today. I'm like, especially now. And like these times I'm like, you know what? These people give me the fucking confidence to like say whatever I sh- should be saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was watching a lot. Uh, I wouldn't say like too much. I was still, I was, I don't know if I ever stuck with it enough to find my, like my voice. But now that I wrote my book, I feel like I did find it. I could go back. You might have a, no, no, no. Like if you were, if you were to pick it up now, you'd probably have a much better foundation. Yeah. I think because you have all, all this writing behind you and you know what you want to talk about. Like since Mm -hmm. you have all your opinions and your life in this book, that would be a stepping stone. And there are funny parts in the book. So you would yeah. already have like a foot in the door. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love storytelling too. I feel like I'm a better storyteller than I am. Um, you know, like quick, uh, yeah. Like lines. Storytelling is so hard, man. It's, it's such a different art form in itself. Well, maybe I'm just talking as a, as a standup. I shouldn't say that. Maybe it's not true. I love comedians who tell stories. And for years, a lot of my material was short. So when I watch a comic who does like a 10 minute story and it's funny the whole time, I'm like, how the fuck does he do that? Yeah, I have such a deep appreciation for that, like to hold my attention and have like such great stuff woven in the whole time. Like that's like that's yeah. the dream. I love that. Like not a it, dull moment. It's a whole different beast in itself. You know, I just remembered, did you... Did we cross paths at Paxson where I work? We did. I was we golfing. Did. I dabbled in golf. I feel like yeah, I was dabbling we in did. golf. We did. I, I served. I served your. I served your table. You did. Yeah. Was that before we went to Grace Tavern or after? No, it was after. Yeah, that was like was that, it? that. I think that was the first time that we had seen each other since then. Because that was like, that was probably like four years after that. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize they were that far apart. But then again, yeah. I have no concept of time with this. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was golfing um, probably like five years ago was when I was really like into golf. And that's, we were taking lessons there. Wow. Oh, that was, that was only five years ago. Yeah. Dude, I would have said like seven or eight still. No, I know. Yeah. It was is, this fi- what, it was- is this what getting old is like? <laughs> Fuck. Right? Yeah. It doesn't matter <laughs> when things were anymore. <laughs> Oh, wow. I just remember that right now. Yeah, I know. That, all right. We're like meant to do something together. I think we are. Yeah, at an Applebee's. Yeah. They could be our, they could be our corporate sponsor. They could. I would they love that. Like, we could do Applebee's, Applebee's presents. commercials. Oh, I would love to. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We should do to. like people of Applebee's. <laughs> It'd be just us. <laughs> yeah, it would just be us. No, we can go to different Applebee's around the around the country, and like, get, like I do. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, start gathering some, uh, start doing some research. <laughs> get some market data. All right, we, dude. I really think we could probably do something really cool. To be honest with you, we probably yes. really could. And if you ever, um, you know, want to start bringing this live, hit me up. Let me know. I'll help you punch something up or overlook it. I love being a second set of eyes for stuff. 
Yeah, I know we we should do, we talked about a potential podcast. That would be so cool about like that would be fun. Or we just start a podcast where we go to like Applebee's and just interview the people that work there. The bartenders, yeah. Yeah, be like, how how long you been here? Is this gig good? You good? You good? Are, are like, are you okay? Are you stable? <laughs> do you feel safe here at Applebee's? <laughs> and then you just slide them a copy of your book. Yeah, and the, and then I'm like, hey, I'm a comic. I'm in town tonight. That way they get a free book and a show. I think we have, do we, we have a we have a whole fucking reality show. Right yeah, here. we do. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> All right, we'll get the ball rolling soon. <laughs> yeah. All right, dude. Natalie Windelfell has an amazing book called Rude Awakening: A Mixtape. Thank you for being here. Thank you for talking to me. It's been a while. And uh, once all this shit's over, we're definitely going to catch up in person and yeah. hang out and go to shows and take this shit on the road. Yes, definitely. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story. It was awesome talking to you. Thanks for having me, man. I love this. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to help. Let's get the word about your book out there and <laughs> let's fucking make this baby on the uh, New York Times bestseller list. Oh, that's the dream. Let's do it. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.